Hello, and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and today on this edition of The Conversation, I'm chatting with Heather Potter. She's a counselor with the Domestic and Sexual Violence Services, Anger and Domestic Abuse Prevention and Treatment Program, or otherwise called ADAPT. Today we're chatting about DSVS's Unpacking Gender Initiative, which is about exploring gender roles, norms, and stereotypes, and how they are connected to sexual violence. Heather, thanks for being here on the County Conversation Podcast with us. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Good to have you. Uh, As we get started, I want to point out that our conversation today, when we're referencing gender, it's not about sexuality or sexual preference. So I I kind of broadly touched on the Unpacking Gender Initiative in my brief introduction. Could you please explain it to me, to us, our listeners? What do we mean when we say that? Sure, I'd love to. So we started this Unpacking Gender Initiative as a way to do prevention work to prevent domestic and sexual violence and teen dating violence. And because many of the people that experience these types of violence at a higher rate are part of the LGBTQ plus community. We decided we would start unpacking gender with the community so they could understand the connection between the two. And when we talk about gender, a lot of people get it mixed up with biological sex. So that's Mm. where we start our presentations is explaining that biological sex is something assigned at birth. So you can have male, male, female, assigned male at birth, assigned female birth, or intersex. But gender is a social construct, so it's something that we create, and it changes constantly. So if we think about gender, how it's defined within the United States, maybe 40, 50 years ago, the people that were going to school at that time had uniforms. Like my mother went to school in Arlington. She had to wear a skirt in elementary school. Mm. And that was a rule for girls. They had to wear skirts. Boys had to wear pants. And we don't have that rule anymore. If you go to schools now, there's little girls wearing pants all the time. And maybe boys wearing dresses. (laughs) That is true. You got everything. So people are allowed to express themselves with their clothing more freely. But we still have some rigid gender rules around how people express their gender. And that's something we have to be conscious of in each culture and how we are showing that or teaching that to our children. Okay, you mentioned um, early on that it it started, I I think, what I heard you, uh, around teen dating. Is that the primary focus of the Unpacking Gender Initiative or, or is it broader than focusing on teens? So many of the people who come to these workshops we have in the community do have children in elementary school, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, who are talking about this a lot, and they feel like they're not equipped to have these conversations with the the kids and their families. So it could be parents, we've had grandparents come as well, and they're like, I want to know what they're talking about and understand all of the terms. And with the prevention effort, yes, we would would love for people to talk to their kids about this before they start dating. Mm. Yeah. We're at the end of 2023 as we're recording and we're talking. There have been, if I'm correct, like four workshops so far this year. Uh, that is right. This. We try to put a workshop in each of the regions of the county okay. so that people are, are able to access them um, in person and they're in libraries. Okay. Tell me about the workshops. 
So the workshops, uh, we have different staff that attend different workshops. It's never the same two people. Okay. And I did one in Tyson's. And when we were teaching uh, inside the libraries in the evening, so people had time to come after work. Mm. And like I said before, it was like a mix of parents, grandparents, a couple community members that didn't have kids but are very interested in the topic. And we start out by helping people. Uh, well, I talked about, you know, the difference between biological sex and gender. Mm-hmm. And then we started unpacking gender roles and thinking about what does it mean to be a real boy or a real girl, a real man, a real woman? Like, what are we taught in our culture? And we quickly realized that people from different generations had different ideas of what it meant to be male or female. Mm-hmm. Then we also continued on and explained that Today, we don't just use male and female to explain for some, for someone to identify with for the gender. We also have cisgender. Well, cisgender is somebody who identifies uh, with the same gender identity as their sex assigned at birth. But transgender is someone whose gender identity is different from the sex they were assigned at birth. Non-binary is a gender identity label often used by people who do not identify as binary gender, boy, girl, man, woman. And then gender nonconforming, someone who expresses their gender in a way outside of traditional gender norms. So when we started breaking it down, people were asking questions like, well, how do I know if someone is non-binary? How do I know if someone is gender nonconforming? And that's when we started thinking about all of the ways that people think girls and boys should act. So when I explain it, sometimes they say, you know, when you apply for a loan or doing a political survey, they ask you, what is your job title? Like, where do you work? And sometimes I scroll through it and I can't find mine. I'm like, there's nothing here that describes who I am. (laughs) Yes, I'm other. Or, um, you're, yeah, there's a lot of instances where you're filling out surveys and people want you to identify because humans like to categorize and label each other. And right now, for many years, centuries we've just had male and female and there's a lot of people saying you know what i don't fit either one i need a bigger list i need more options because there's the strict rules of how somebody should act if they have a certain reproductive system and i don't feel like that describes me so that helped people understand okay i can see you know there's valid reason for why we're creating um more ways for people to describe themselves and identify what would you say to the older person in the community who has the mindset of you're born either a male or a female. That's it. You're a male or a female. Address that. Yes. So uh, I would. what I would start saying is that biologically, like your reproductive system is male or female or intersex. But gender expression, unfortunately, we use male and female for the, to express gender as well. And, of course, the other terms that I explained, and people mix it up. And I was like, you're talking about biological reproductive systems, and I'm talking about what is taught in the culture. Because even now, in 2013, the way we define male and female or masculinity and femininity here in northern Virginia varies from the south of our country, varies from the western coast, varies from other countries in the world, and there's no actual set of rules that is accurate. So I just ask people, you know, broaden your um, understanding of it. 
And when we do the uh, breaking down, like what are the gender roles, you'll see things from other generations will say, well, women are better caretakers of children. They're more nurturing by nature. Mm-hmm. And that is a a thought that people have, but it's really based on how children are socialized when they're little. Because we spend a lot more time teaching girls to be nurturing or to be caretakers. And we teach a lot more, we teach our boys more to be rough and tough and be protectors, right, <laughs> as they right, say, right. or providers, not show fear, uh, not show shame. So sometimes they're more stoic. And those are all things that I'm like, well, we teach kids to act like that. And when we look at toys, I know a lot of people are doing holiday shopping right now. And if you go into different stores, you will see a sea of pink where it's, you know, girls toys in quotations. And then a sea of blue and like bright red and black and all these action figures Mm -hmm. for all the, the boy section. and. Where there's um, a lot of documentaries I use from the representation project when teaching about this, and they explain it in their films that our toys have even become more gender specific according to our gender roles, and that is something that I think the youth are have been pushing back against. You know, I have um, a seven year old, and he's had a baby doll since he was one years old, mm. and I had a lot of people ask me, "Why would you <laughs> give your son right. a baby doll?" Right. And I was like, I'm teaching him empathy and compassion. You know, I have a whole plan. <laughs> and I, I want him to know what it's like to caretake. I want to model that for him. And so when he went into daycare, I had a lot of feedback from the babysitter. Your son is very attentive to the babies. He mm. always wants to make sure right. they're okay when they're crying or feed them. Right. And I've never seen a boy act like that before. And I was like, well, they all could act like that if you just teach them. Right. So... Yeah, I just invite people to kind of step outside the box that they were raised in and think about, well, what if we started teaching these different skills to all of our kids and see what happens? And it's been a, you know, a positive effect when we do that. We're on the County Conversation, a fascinating conversation with Heather Potter. She's with uh, Domestic and Sexual Violence Services, a uh, counselor with the uh, ADAPT program. Today, we're unpacking gender and their initiative. And we were talking about, you were mentioning, the. I'm going to put, put my air quotes up here, uh, a real boy or a real girl. Um, and I think it's like, what, stereotypes or just the way you were raised? Um, we've kind of touched on it, but let's start with the real boy. What, 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 does that, what does that kind of entail that we're talking about there? Well, um, so two terms I want to put out there for people who are really trying to learn the terminology on this subject mm-hmm. are gender norms and gender roles. So gender norms are rules about what is societally acceptable for people to do, think, or how they are supposed to live based on their gender. And gender roles is a set of expectations for what roles men or women should play in a society based on what is masculine or feminine. So when we're talking about gender, I think it's actually more accurate, instead of saying male or female, to use talk about masculinity or femininity, um, which of course are defined by culture again. <laughs> but Boys, you know, typically people will say things like, boys don't cry. Um, you're a boy, you have to be tough. Mm. If you, if, uh, I've seen parents say, like, I will see them with their boys and their girls outside at the playground and the girl falls down and they run over, are you okay? Right. Do you need a hug? 
Uh, if a boy falls down, get up, get up, come on, be strong, be right. a boy. Right. So there's an expectation that boys should not um, cry if they're in pain, that they should resolve that. They should be stoic. You know, they shouldn't be afraid. Like I mentioned earlier, they they have to um, be courageous. They can't ever feel embarrassed or scared. Mm-hmm. And if you were to watch the the documentary, The Mask You Live In from the Representation Project, it says as they grow up and they're in high school and past to manhood, there is an expectation to be athletic or like physically fit um, to make a lot of money. And I would say, you know, those are accurate here in this area where we live. And to be really popular with the ladies, like to get a lot of, uh, to have a lot of girlfriends or be, you know, popular in the dating right. arena. And that type of pressure, as explained by a lot of the youth in the film, uh, it stops boys from pursuing different activities in high school that they really like. Like some of them shared, I really wanted to go into theater. But people looked at it as something that wasn't masculine or something that was kind of weird, especially if you were going to use makeup during one of the productions. So I didn't do it. And this man talks about, you know, his process of going through college and then later going into theater when he finally felt uh, like he could live authentically mm-hmm. and how much he loved it. And he said, like, I missed Ellen so much in my youth. Like I could have been doing this the whole time. And I know that sometimes boys feel like that about cooking or about, um, they mention some clubs like chess clubs or things like that that may be considered too nerdy. So they didn't want to mm-hmm. join that. And that the people that are, usually most popular in high school are those who are athletic or do come from affluent families. So that was something that they explained as being like the box for the boys to live in mm-hmm. and the expectations that they had to fulfill mm-hmm. in order to be considered a real boy. And if a someone who is born male, you know, biologically doesn't feel like he fits into that small, tiny box, because that's a pretty small box, then he might start saying, you know, I don't, I'm non-conforming. That's not who I am. And then parents are like, what, what do you, what do you right, mean by that? Right, right. And that's why we have these workshops in the community. Okay. Well, you mentioned there have been four this year. Are there plans to continue these, these unpacking gender initiative workshops? I would believe we are going to offer more. We had, as the year went on, more and more people attending. Right, right, right. <laughs> so the first one was like a lower attendance, but the groups kept growing. Right. And I don't think this is a topic that's going away. I think sure. this is something we're going to continue to talk about, learn more about, and parents want to be prepared. Lessons learned, feedback you got. I mean, some things that were maybe surprising or some, some things that were like, yeah, we're spot on. I'm the community. I feel like everybody who came to my workshop was very open to talking about the subject and learning. There wasn't really anything that shocked me that came from the audience, per se. Mm. But I I do think, in general, in the community, based on things that I see posted on, on social media or I hear about in schools, there is still a lot of a lot of work to do so right. people feel comfortable with the subject. And there's a lot of misinformation. Right. And um, another thing, you know, that we talk about with the importance of this is that we want to talk to our youth about this 
in order to prevent them getting into relationships, whether right. it be friendships or dating relationships, right. where they're being harmed. And well, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole yeah. purpose. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're we. That's why this one of the reasons that you know we wanted to do the unpacking gender workshops because we didn't want youth to feel like they had no one to go to. Hmm. And um, one of the things that we wanted to share because. ADAPT is under the umbrella of domestic and sexual violence. Right, right. And our office wanted to share some statistics yeah, about um, what it's like for teens right now. So one in three teens experience physical, sexual, or emotional abuse from a dating partner. Mm-hmm. Nearly half of women, 49%, and over half of men, 56%, who experience rape in their lifetime, report their first victimization before the age of 18. So again, youth. Mm-hmm. And then a study of 1,965 students in grades 7 through 12 showed nearly half, 48%, had experienced sexual harassment at school. So this is in Fairfax County. And what we also know is the impact on LGBTQ plus youth that are twice as likely as heterosexual peers to experience violence from a dating partner. Almost 90% of trans, that is very high, 90% of trans teens experience some form of physical violence in a dating relationship. And then LGBTQ plus youth who feel supported by family community have lower rates of attempted suicide. So when parents are really good about talking about these subjects from early on, and I'm talking starting like four or five years old preschool, then their kids feel more comfortable to talk to them about their gender identity, as well as other things. So when they do start forming friendships and relationships, they're able to use their parents as a sounding board. Like, well, here's the person I'm dating, I'm talking to, I'm friends with. What do you think about the relationship? But if they grow up in a household that's very strict and very rigid, they don't have that support system. And then when they are in a dating relationship or a friendship, it could be a friendship where abuse is occurring, they don't have anybody to talk to about it. And we know that that can lead to anxiety, it can lead to depression, and that many of these youth don't feel understood or supported, and so suicide is also a big concern for us. So is that like your biggest piece of advice to to parents? And like I was kind of getting to the advice tips for parents and or teens. I mean, what, Mm -hmm. what does ADAPT and DSVS suggest? So I have a list that we shared in our unpacking gender presentation of things to do. When they're really younger, you start talking to them about gender roles and norms, like I I was mentioning. So that's things like, um, for example, when my son was maybe three, he wanted to wear pink Crocs. That's the color he wanted. And other kids would be, why are you letting him wear pink? He should wear blue. There's like, there's nothing wrong with wearing pink. All the colors are for everybody. So those are things you start very young. Um, support children's interests regardless of if they fit their gender identity. So if you have a son who wants to play with baby dolls or you want, you have a daughter who wants to pay, play with the action figures, it's okay. It is fine. Let them do that. Um, challenge statements from other adults about how children should act based on their gender. So, you know, if you have other parents at the playground comment on their clothing or what they're playing with or a babysitter or family member, Help them think about it. Help them broaden their understanding of what children can do and not try to put them in a box. Discuss gender stereotypes openly. 
to show your child that you're a safe person to talk to. This is very important. I don't think people realize how many times we're listening to music, we're watching a TV show, um, we're observing other people in public, and we make side comments, and our children are listening, mm-hmm. and they're thinking, well, if they think that about this person, then they might think this about me. So we have to be very careful about how we speak about others. Um, be open to feedback from children in your life. So sometimes they might want to challenge you or teach you something. Be mm-hmm. open to that. Um, respond to your child when they need help unpacking this stuff and focus on gender roles and norms and the impacts of that. So when you're talking to them, just it's an ongoing conversation that starts young and it continues throughout their life so that they feel like, okay, I might not have all the answers, but I know that I can go to my parents and ask them. And even if they don't have the answers, they'll help us look for it. Right. Wow. A lot to try to take in here in 20 plus minutes. (laughs) Um, If this has piqued the interest of our listeners for more information, where do you suggest they go? So I suggest just go to fairfaxcounty.gov, the county's website, and you can search for awareness, domestic violence, sexual violence, and our page will come up. And we make announcements, you know, of these different um, unpacking gender workshops. You can also just call our office directly, which is 703. 324-5730, and you will hear an option to request education training workshops. Okay, awesome. So 703-324-5730, or just go on to fairfaxcounty.gov and search any of the related terms and come right up to the Domestic and Sexual Violence Services page or the ADAPT program, etc. Heather, thank you so much for scratching the surface for us here as we're talking about unpacking gender. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. And I hope everyone uh, who is listening takes the time to look further into the subject because, as you said, we only scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, There's absolutely. so much to look at here. Yeah. Well, do, do that, folks. Call 703-324-5730 or just search fairfaxcounty.gov if you want to get more information. Uh, Again, thanks to Heather for being here. Thanks to you for listening. We appreciate you joining us on the County Conversation Podcast, which is also produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. If you want more information, you can call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. That is weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for joining us on the County Conversation Podcast.